My first encounter with the Donach wines was in April 2022 in a masterclass in Lech, Austria, and I was deeply touched. Martin is a truly honest guy who makes mesmerizing Pinot, Chardonnays and Compléter in Malis, Graubünden, Switzerland. He not only wants his wines to be enjoyed by people who can appreciate great wines made in his exceptional region, but he is also eager to make Swiss wines more known and recognized all over the world. Martin talked about the history of their 125 years old winery, his beautiful terroir and we discussed why almost no Swiss wines leave the country and his philosophy behind the self-made labels. Please enjoy! Welcome to the show. I haven't done a podcast in, in a couple of months now, but it's a great honor to have one of the best Swiss winemakers on, on the podcast, as a, maybe as a little comeback. So thanks for taking the time. You are now in Switzerland, right? I'm in Switzerland at home, yes. Okay. So welcome, at, at least uh, virtually, because we already met like a year ago or maybe... Uh, yeah, I think it's a little less. It was in April, March, April, something like that. Yeah, because then I had the, the great opportunity to taste your wines in a masterclass and you gave also yes. a masterclass. I think that time it was German, right? Um, yes. But it was really impressing and uh, all of all your wines had a really lasting impression on me. So it's really a great honor to maybe reveal or hear your some of your secrets. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> there are no secrets. <laughs> and if there are, I want to tell you. <laughs> no, of course, we can talk about everything. Okay. No secrets in Swiss wine. Swiss wine is a secret because nobody knows Swiss wine. That's true. Uh, Switzerland doesn't export a lot, so um, most uh, most wines are drunk in Switzerland. So Switzerland is an import country. They import a lot. Switzerland produce only 30% of the production or, or 30% of the consume. Um, yeah, it's really a rare Swiss wine. It's nearly not found in other countries. So nearly no uh, export. Mm. And why are so little Swiss wine exported? Because you're producing around uh, 1 million hectoliters. I looked it up before. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot actually, but you don't drink it all. <laughs> it seems like... Yeah, maybe Swiss people drink a lot of wine, I don't know, but um, the, the production is only 30% of the consume. So Switzerland was always a big uh, import country. Mm. Uh, so many wine, wine regions try to sell a lot in Switzerland because Swiss is a really good market which uh, pay very high prices for wine. I think the average price um, is the highest in the world after Belgium. I think Belgium is even higher for mm. a bottle of wine, which pay more for a bottle of wine than in Switzerland. So every uh, single wine producing country tried to uh, sell a lot to Switzerland. And we have the best market in front of our uh, door. It's um, also a little bit complicated to export wine from Switzerland because we are not in the EU. And um, so wine producers are not used to export. They don't have necessity to export because they can sell easily the wine here in Switzerland, especially the good wineries, the famous wineries with, with small production. They even have not enough wine for the whole market. So we uh, we work almost uh, seventy five percent of our production go to the best restaurants in Switzerland, and we, even there we have waiting list. 
At the moment, we have also very long, huge waiting list for our wines for private customers, especially our um, uh, our uh, unique, which is the most uh, famous wine of our wine. There, we are sold out in two hours with allocations of two or three bottles, and uh, we have waiting lists for. 400 um, people waiting for these wines. Um, so it doesn't make sense to export a lot. Mm. But I decided to export a little bit because I'm, I think it's, it's bad that people don't know Swiss wine. Because we are in the middle, in the heart of all the really famous wine countries around us. We have uh, France, Germany, Austria and Italy all really great, famous, world-famous wine countries. And we are in the middle of all of them between these countries, the heart of, of these European uh, wine countries, and nobody knows Swiss wine. People know Swiss chocolate, Swiss watch, Swiss cheese, but nobody knows Swiss wine. And it's a little bit bad. And um, we, we also had many um, people asking for our wines in in other countries already 10 years ago. Um, we had Burj Al Arab in Dubai or Noma in Denmark when it was the best restaurant in the world. They asked for our wines and we told them, sorry, we don't export. And that hurts me a little bit. And so we decided to export a small little bit of our, of our production. It's only 5%, so not much. Wow. And how many bottles are they? Uh, like 5%. Um, we produce around uh, 35 to 40,000 bottles of wine. Um, so it's, it's not much which we, uh, which we uh, sell to, the, to other countries or to the, to the export. And the problem is because it's not so much the prices rise like crazy. So in, in Hong Kong, they sell our unique today for 380 US dollars. Mm. Um, yeah, because it's really rare, but it's even rare in uh, Switzerland. Mm. Do you also have numbers or do you have numbered bottles for Unique? Number, but uh, numbers of... Uh, on the bottle, I mean. On the bottle? Uh, no, we, we don't. We don't do numbers, um, but we have every single um, label is unique. <laughs> but we have no numbers on the until so because i think a little bit about your history because i think your father started to use uh, barriques already in the 70s for pinots and chardonnay and that was kind of yeah. revolutionary right and did uh, because i think your wines also in terms of grape varieties but also maybe in terms of style and maybe in terms of also in terms of terroir has a lot of similarities with burgundy and uh, was the inspiration at that time for your father the great Burgundy? Or yeah, of course, it... mm -hmm. of course. My my dad was always a lover of French wines. We uh, we drink a lot of Burgundy, but also Bordeaux wines. And my dad already bought wines in these these two regions when it costs nearly nothing. So. Uh, my dad bought in the early 70s Romane Conti, which cost 45 euros in this time. It was a lot of money for a bottle of wine in this time. Uh, and this time uh, it was Chateau Petrus, was around 28 Swiss francs. Okay. <laughs> and uh, when my dad bought wine at Romane Conti, um, they told him, you are a poor winemaker. 
um, you buy so expensive wine, we give you also a bottle of white as a giveaway, just as a gift. Um, that was more actually because they have nothing else in white this time. And uh, I think the time is over that you'll get a, a goodie of a bottle of Morashe when you buy a case of, of Romani Conti. Mm. But my, my dad was really in the early um, early 70s. He was already in, in Burgundy. He met uh, Andre Noble, the former cellar master of Romani Conti. Today already uh, his son is retired. Um, Andre Noble, I think it, he was one or he is the, the best winemaker in the last century. Uh, my dad uh, learned a lot of him. He met him and uh, he went in and out in this cellar. He, he tasted nearly every vintage of the last century. And um, he uh, learned a lot of Andre Noble. Um, Andre Noble also tasted our wines and told to my dad, you have fantastic grapes, but you don't know to make wine. And he gave him, at, in, in 73, he gave him two used Latash barrels, which he brought to Switzerland. And he tried to make wine in, in, in Burgundy style. And that was a revolution because um, they, they nearly took off our appellation because they say it's not a typical wine anymore. Uh, it's too much wooded, it's not typical. And in this time, nobody else expect uh, France, expect uh, Burgundy and, and Bordeaux uh, aged wine in French barrels. And in the early 80s, there was uh, Angelo Gaia in 83, which started with, uh, with, with, with uh, using barrels. In uh, America, it was Mondavi, uh, Torres in Spain, or Keller in Germany. But all these guys started Nearly 10 years later, my, my dad already had an ex experience with, with uh, using barrels for 10 years when they started, started all. And so we've got good contact with all these wineries. Mm -hmm. And because you mentioned the typical uh, taste in Switzerland at that time, what, what was the, actually the typical taste? Because I think your winery has been around since more than 100 years, right? So yeah, how, how do you see year, maybe the evolution of the Swiss wine? Yeah. This year we have the 125 years jubilee of our winery. And um, in this time, it was just a light, easy drinking red wine. Pinot Noir was just light, fruity. Um, today you couldn't sell wine in this style anymore. But mm. in this time, it was just normal to have a light, easy drinker, drinking a red wine. Mm. Uh, a lot of food and uh, usually they have been aged in, in stainless steel. Maybe uh, some, some producer had also oak, uh, oak big oak vats uh, to, to uh, age the wine. But uh, the barrels have been completely different, uh, different style. Because in this time, in the school, in the agriculture school, they learned to uh, filter the wine 20, 30 times. Everything had to be sterile um, and controlled. And uh, the, the barrel was completely different between the style they did in this time. Mm. And was it always clear to you that you gonna take on the winery? Or did you always wanted to be a winemaker? Uh, yes, 
And now um, I always loved this this uh, profession of my my dad. My my parents had always uh, fun what they did, and uh, so I I was also very interested to do that. But I have many different talents, like my dad as well. My dad is a very great chef. He could be a, an, ex an exceptional chef. Uh, he is a very good musician. He uh, plays every instrument. Um, I, me also, I have many different talents. Um, I was also interested to make uh, to make an apprenticeship as a chef. Uh, to make the hotel school. Um, I was interested also uh, in, in graphic design, things like that. And today I'm happy that I'm I'm winemaker. I have a winery because I can use all this, these talents uh, in, in my profession. I, I make my website on my own. I never paid uh, five euros for a, for a graphic designer because I make everything on my own, the labels, um yeah and i'm i'm often in the gastronomy we work with the best michelin star restaurants all over switzerland and um most sommeliers most chefs are close friends so um yeah I have all the professions i'm interested in i have in my profession as well wow that's a maybe that's like kind of a dream you haven't dreamt yet when this yes of course of course my my life is a dream. <laughs> yeah, I love my job. And I think the success, the key to the success is always passion. And it doesn't matter if you're a winemaker, if you're a banker, if you are a chef, if you are a journalist or um, what else. The, the most important thing is that you are, have a passion what you, for, for that, what you do. And if you have a passion, you can also have success. But without passion, you, it's difficult to... To have success in your profession i think mm. yeah couldn't agree more and when you took over the winery and that was in 2001 right so yeah i was in, in different other countries to uh, to make some uh, some apprenticeships or to to make some um, experience i was in australia in Tasmania, the South Island in Australia, I was in, in South Africa, I was in, in uh, France and was in Spain. And um, I'm back home since 2021, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, 2000, 2001, sorry, 2001. Um, now 20, mm -hmm. 22 uh, years almost, yeah. And I guess you learned a lot of things in these places, but what was maybe your biggest um or what was the biggest learning maybe for you or what which wineries or which terroirs made the biggest impact on you um yeah many many people ask me that i think it's difficult because i learned everywhere something um it's quite different i, I worked in, in really really different uh, wineries um, in small wineries in big wineries um most i learned i'm sure i'm learned by my dad because we have our terroir, we have our grape varieties, we have our um, climate, and uh, I learned the most, I think. But I, I worked also in Bordeaux, and Bordeaux was quite interesting um, from the um, from the marketing, what they do, how they sell wine, how they um, make events, things like that. I think Bordeaux is the or was in this time just uh, much before all the other countries 
it's changed a lot now, I think, but um, Bordeaux is still fascinating mm. with and the castles and with the wines they do and yeah, the French, the French lifestyle. <laughs> and how is the lifestyle now when, where you live now in Graubinden? Lifestyle is uh, fantastic. We are here in a region which has a very good climate, as you have always when you are in a wine region. When I travel around the world, I prefer always to go to places where wine grows, because in wine-growing countries or wine-growing regions, you have always good restaurants. Um, you have a good climate. You have um, mostly uh, people, they are really happy. I think it's just uh, something which is like standard. And also here we have such a high class gastronomy in our region. We have now um, just 20 in, in a circle of 20 minutes car drive. Uh, we have two, three Michelin star restaurants here in our region, uh, Andreas Caminada. And since this year, uh, Sven Wasmer, which is just five minutes from here away. Um, we have also some other very, very great um, chefs. We have uh, Badragatz, which is a world-famous um, uh, tourist place for, for spa, for uh, thermal water. We have the mountains around us. We have the ski regions. Um, you can go for hiking. It's a really, really nice place. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. So um, there are many people um, jealous to have uh, this situation like we do. Uh, even even um, Alfred Tissero, which is a great friend of us, he loves this region. And he told me once I would change my Chateau Ponte Cane with your winery. I don't know if it was just a joke, but even if he say something like that, you see how, uh, how he feels here in this region. Mm. And we have many friends in the wine wine scene, which visit us and are always um, impressed about our region. Um, even if it's just quiet, it's not so famous. Nobody knows this region, just if you are a really, really great wine connoisseur. But um, we have also been in, in the Meininger's Top 100 this year as the first uh, Swiss winery. And even there, there are really great sommeliers from Germany. They don't know our region. They don't know Completer, the old out of Don grape variety. So it's really something uh, special. It's a secret. I say uh, Switzerland opens the bank secret, but we still have the wine secret in Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully after this podcast, a little bit... Uh... Uh, maybe more people is going to hear about I this. I don't know. Hope we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, can you describe maybe the region um, also in terms of wine growing and what's your climate like? Um, of course, we are a cool climate wine region. We are between all the really famous ski regions around us. Uh, we have, um, I see you have water, I have wine, you see. <laughs> oh, well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a really nice um, climate. We have a uh, cool climate, um, which is very, very good for Pinot Noir. 80% of the production in our valley is Pinot Noir. We have quite similar soil to Burgundy. 
a lot of culture um, and the advantage we have, we are high over sea, uh, but we have very dry uh, summer and uh, also in the spring and in the in the harvest time during the harvest season, we have really, really dry because we have to fern the hot wind, which makes dry weather. And so we don't have big problem with with uh, the botrytis. So the grapes don't rot so easily. Um, we pick very late, uh, maybe one of the latest regions in, in Europe with the main uh, grape harvest. Uh, usually they, they pick in the middle of September. By us it was in the past, so middle of October. Now with the climate change, it's, it's uh, maybe first, second week of October. But there we have already um, very, very warm days and very cool nights because we are um, over with the grapes over 550 meters over sea. So mm -hmm. the grapes are between 550 to 700 meters over sea. Mm -hmm. And um, so we have really cool nights, warm days, which gives a lot of aromatic and also color in the Pinot Noir um, during this uh, time. And mm -hmm. By us, the, the flower of the grape is one week later than in Burgundy, uh, but we pick the grapes almost um, two to three weeks later than Burgundy. So in Burgundy, they usually have 90 days from flower to harvest, by us it's uh, 100 to 110 days. So uh, it's a long, long uh, period of vegetation. And... Um... I know that you work quite offhand in the cellar, but how do you work in the vineyards? Is it is this the climate? Because as you described, it's quite dry and in, in the growing season. Can you work um, organically or nearly organically in the vineyards? Um, we don't do completely organically. Uh, there are many um, winemakers changing now to organically, but we do already a uh, very long time organically all, all what's, what's uh, done with, if in, the, in the soil. So we have our herbs, uh, our grass in the soil since three generations. My granddad, uh, great grandpa was the first, which had... Um, uh, which had green, green, uh, how do you say, green floor. But we we don't need any herbicide, we don't need any insecticide, but in our um, winery we uh, use fungicide because um, the, the organic winemakers use a lot, a lot of, of copper. We still have enough uh, rain during the, during the summertime so uh, you can't manage it without copper. We have a lot of copper in our soil. So um, we are a, a little mix of organic and conventional um, wine growing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you talk about the vineyards, which, which clones do you have for Pinots and Chardonnay? As I, I would imagine some Burgundy. Clones, um, yeah, most um, most is uh, Burgundy, but we also have some Swiss clones. Um, the Burgundy clones are almost one week earlier ripe, okay. and so and uh, the the really early uh, vineyards. It's today with the climate change, it's already a problem if you have Burgundy clones in the in the early vineyards. So we plant in the lower vineyards, which are much earlier ripe. Uh, we, we plant Swiss clones, 
and higher overseas we plant Burgundy plants. Mm. And Chardonnay is all, all uh, from Burgundy. Mm. Yeah. And how old are your are your wines or so your vineyards? It depends. We have young wines, we have older wines, but the uh, average is around um, 30 years, I would say, yeah. Mm -hmm. 25 to 30 years. And do you notice a quality difference in terms of grapes? Yeah, of course, of course. We have, by Chardonnay and by Pinot Noir, we have three different lines. We have uh, not the system like in Burgundy with the appellations. Um, We have just one IAOC in in Graubünden, and so we do our own um, our own style. We have a Chardonnay and Pinot Noir tradition, passion and unique. And to compare with Burgundy, our tradition is like a Burgundy uh, village style. Mm -hmm. There we have uh, younger um, vineyards. We have. Um, also a little bit higher um, quantities on the stock than by Passion, the Passion line, which is our most known um, wine style or wine label. Uh, by Passion, we uh, work like a premier crew in, in Burgundy from a single vineyard where we have um, 30% new oak, 30% one use and 30% two times use barrels, um, equal to Chardonnay and Pinar. And then we have the Unique, which is a single vineyard with very, very um, small grapes, um, low quantities. And there we work with 80 to 100% new oak in the cellar. So it's uh, our Grand Cru. We don't have a Grand Cru in, in Switzerland or, or in our region, um, but we do our own um, Grand Cru, Premier Cru and uh, Village with these three wine lines. Mm -hmm. Is it in the planning to classify maybe vineyards also in the region or in Switzerland and maybe in general? It's, it's quite difficult. We have regions with Grand Cru, um, with Grand Cru uh, vineyards in, in the French part of Switzerland, but here in, in, in the German part of Switzerland it's quite difficult because it, these are really, really old vineyards. Some of them are um, vineyards since thousand years. And uh, every producer think his his uh, vineyard would be a, a Grand Cru, and the next one maybe not anymore. Um, but I think that would be a big fight if they they do really uh, classificate the, the vineyards. Um, it changed also a lot. Our best vineyards was always the former Spiegel where we made always the, our opinion, our passion. Speaker is a, a vineyard which is only on 550 meters over sea. There we have Burgundy clone, very, very old Burgundy clone. Uh, but with the climate change, we have always problems there with the Suzuki flies in, in hot years. Also, we have problems with, with uh, that the grapes rot before they are ripe. And so we decided now um, to plant completely there, to take off the, the Pinot Noir. Because, um, yeah, it, it, in the past it was uh, our Grand Cru. Um, today it's too, too warm. I think it changed a lot with the climate change. But we see that also in, in Burgundy, sometimes uh, it changed a lot. Um, Romane Conti, I think, today uh, my, my, my uh, favorite 
wenn ihr das äh, selber Roman ist selber, ähm, ich weiß, I think they, they um, have much profit with the climate change. They are closer to Latash today than it was uh, many years ago. Mm -hmm. And do you notice a big change in, in all of your vineyards, like in terms of temperature and ripening season, like in the past? Decade. I think it doesn't go so quick, um, but we we try to react. Um, we have the advantage. Um, we are between 550 and 700 meters over sea, and 50 meters over sea makes one per mil acidity in the grape. That's uh, that's much. So um, the vineyards which are higher, which have been maybe the the little bit worse. Vineyards uh, in the past today they are much better than they have been before, mm -hmm. and so we change change a little bit. But um, I think it's not so fast. I hope our region will also in twenty years be a great Pinot Noir region, and I hope I don't have to plant all with Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I like Merlot, but I, I love Pinot Noir. Mm. You already mentioned the sea level, but you haven't mentioned the soil. I imagine that would be an important aspect for you. But yeah, the soil, the soil is uh, perfect for, for Pinot Noir. We have uh, quite quite a great Pinot, Pinot soil. We have a lot of calcar. We have also a little bit of limestone. We have um, we also have the, the slate, not the, the dark slate. Um, it's a, a gray slate which uh, gives also a lot of minerality. Um, we have also very good with, with the water, um, even if, if it's very hot, if we have re really dry summers, we have still enough water in, in our uh, soil. Um, yeah, I think it's... Today, I would say that uh, our region belongs to the best Pinot Noir regions in the world. Because we have really the, the advantage of the the soil and also of the of the climate in our region. Mm -hmm. And do you notice that maybe with the climate change, it's gonna be hard, more difficult for you to work with white varieties? No, they change always more and more to to white grape varieties because um, it was really nearly 90% Pinot Noir in our region. Now it's always more and more also white wine, especially Chardonnay grows very, very well. Hmm. I'm sure the best Chardonnays grow always in a great Pinot Noir region. Uh, my favorite Chardonnays are always grown in a Pinot Noir region. And um, we have the Completer, which have a very high acidity, which was in the past so difficult to to uh, produce or to, to become ripe. And today with the climate change, we've completely we make always better and better wines. Mm. Um, yeah, completely. I don't know if we, we talked also a little bit about it in, in Lech. Uh, completely is a very old grape variety which grows since all thousand years in this region. And it was nearly gone because it's a complicated grape variety. And today um, we replanted it in 93. My, my granddad took it off in uh, 47. We replanted it in 93 because in 90, 
seven, we had 100 years to rely and we would like to make after 50 years without complete to make a completer again. And I've been the first producer which restarted with completer and we have a lot of success with completer because it's a great variety with very high acidity. And today we make a late harvest with completer. We pick it in November. We can really wait uh, with this grape variety. Sometimes it snowed already, or it had already snow in the um, vineyards before we picked the grapes. Um, completer um, is something really fascinating. A, a grape variety you can't compare with other grape varieties. But in the past, you, you made maybe, in 10 years, you could make two to three good completer and the other vintage haven't been uh, really good. And today we can make every year a great completer if we have grapes, because it's not every year that the wines make grapes in completer. Completer has this very, we also tasted it in Lech, it has this very linear yeah. acidity driven kind of texture. Also, I think it had a quite saline note also, like a little bit of salinity especially in the finish and it was still very rich on the palate so it was very like not like a full-bodied wine but it had a lot of extraction i would say uh, but you also work with some residual sugar with this wine to kind of counteract the acidity right like kind of a champagne trick <laughs> yes um we make uh, a late harvest by completely because the acidity is so immense it's uh, unbelievable high uh in the past they aged completer for many years in barrels uh, because you couldn't drink that. It was so uh, high acidity. It was nearly not, not to drink. And uh, they aged it like a vinchon or a, like a sherry. They make an oxidative style so uh, they could drink it. And the completer was grown by the Catholic Church. Mm. Um, every monk which uh, went to the last evening prayer when they went to the last prayer in the in the church, they uh, had the right to drink two glasses of of this wine. And the last evening prayer in the Catholic Church is called Completer or Completarium, and from there it has uh, its name. And the grape variety is so high in the acidity that uh, we decided not to make the oxidative style anymore. We uh, when we replant the completer, we want to make a modern wine style, like wine is done today usually. Um, but to bring down this high acidity, we uh, started to make a late harvest, and we leave the grapes outside till the first second week of November. Um, the flower is very difficult by completer. Many years we don't have many grapes. If we have grapes, every single grape is one kilo or even more. It's uh, enormous, it's really uh, big, big grapes. And we wait till November till they start to shrimp and to lose half half of the of the weight. So um, the grape starts already to uh, to shrimp to flattery. And when we, we pick the grapes, we are on 110 uh, de degree Uxley. I don't know um, 
you in, in Austria you uh, have calm way I think but um, with 110 degree Oxley we are already in the level of uh, a beaten outlay in Germany so we have very high sugar graduation and we still want to make a dry white wine and we ferment it uh, the wine have mostly between 14 and 14.9 alcohol, so very high um, alcohol level. But you can't smell the alcohol in taste of the wine because the acidity makes it so fresh, so elegant, so uh, mineralic. You don't smell the alcohol even if it has such a high alcohol. And mostly there are a couple of barrels, they don't ferment to the end. We don't stop fermenting um, like they do by Riesling in, in Germany. We really uh, leave it quite natural. And finally, um, we have a couple of barrels which doesn't ferment to the end. Mostly we are um, between four to maybe six, eight grams uh, the uh, sugar. Mm. But it's just natural sugar which is left because the acidity, uh, the because the the alcohol is so high, the yeast mm. stop to to ferment, and the little sweetness makes also the the brighter mouth um, and lose also a little bit of the high acidity. Mm. It puffers a little bit of the acidity, mm. and it's a wine which fascinates nearly every wine. Um, connoisseur will completely you can confuse every master of wine because there is even in Switzerland it's so rare to find completer um, you can give a completer blind to a really great international wine lover and he will be really uh, looking for where it comes from which grape variety it could be because you have nothing else to compare this grape variety yeah, Maybe you have the minerality, the saltiness of a great burgundy wine, a great chardonnay, but you have also the freshness, the, the acidity of a great Riesling. Um, you have a little bit of everything a white wine can have. You have, uh, when you start to drink the wine, you think it's an easy, light drinking white wine because the freshness, the acidity, but finally in the mouth, you can see it's a really a powerful white wine with 14.5 uh, alcohol. And yeah, it's also crazy to to bring the wine with food because you can nearly bring everything. It's it's good with... with uh, with strong food you can bring it with fish you can bring it with duck liver you can uh, bring it with with cheese with a salty cheese uh, and at the final of a menu um, it's quite something really surprising and and the completer is like a chameleone it change whatever you um, eat the wine changes and um, it's always a surprise is really it completer that you have now in the glass no it's chardonnay <laughs> I drink Chardonnay, yeah. Do you only make um, one completer or do you also have this kind of categories like Passion Unique? Uh, we used to do uh, one completer. Um, many people ask us why you don't do different uh, completer. We have one winemaker in Malans here in the village where I'm from. Um, he still does the oxidative completer style because um, he has very much success with the oxidative style they did in the past, 
Many people, many sommeliers love this oxidative style. I'm not a big fan of, of the oxidative completer style. I prefer to age the wine in the bottle and then I have to have the oxidation there because it changes a lot of, of the aromatic um, of the wine when you, you age it. Um, but in 2018, we had a really huge um, vintage and I tried to make a uh, sweet wine also with completer, but it was just once. Once we tried to do that and um, the wine is still in the cellar, it's uh, already bottled, but not on the market yet. But it's a sweet wine, which we, we did from, from the completer. But normally, in normal years, we do just one completer. Mm. Maybe in the, in the future, when you have more uh, vineyards of completer, then maybe we make a second line. Mm. We'll are, are you planning to expand, like in terms of vineyards? Yes, we do the, the Spieger, the, the vineyard with, with which one of our best Pinot Noir, which is already too warm now, we will plant uh, complete the next year. Mm. And the, are there any other binaries which work with this variety or is it like kind of still like a hidden gem in, in the Swiss wine world? No, always more and more. And we had a lot of, a lot of success. Um, many people are fascinated about, about uh, Completer uh, because nobody knew that. And now the really famous people start to uh, discover Completer. Last week was uh, David Chilknecht here um, mm. in Milan's just to uh, to make a completer story. I think James Robinson was really impressed about completer. Um, yeah, also wineries which are very interested. Uh, the Mondavi sisters have been here uh, two or three weeks ago. They have been so fascinated about completer. They uh, They'd like to try to uh, to plant completer in in uh, California. Um, also, Dirk Kneeport, which is a close friend of me, he uh, is a big fan of completer. Um, he told me he tried to uh, com to, to to plant completer in Duro Valley. Uh, last week I was in Lech. Um, Dorley Moore um, was just tasting our completer for the first time in, in her life. She uh, she tried the completer and she was also very impressed. Yeah, mm. I think it's something which impressed a lot of people. Mm. Even if uh, our Pinot Noir and Chardonnays are world famous, or not famous, they are not famous, but they have the quality of the really uh, great um, Chardonnays and Pinot Noirs in the world. But uh, completer is something um, people don't know, and so it's much easier to impress by a new grape variety than with the common Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Yeah, I was also really impressed. So it was like fireworks in the mouth. I think I didn't yeah, expect yeah. this kind of intensity. So yeah. I, I'm sure that you have a great uh, future with that. And, um, and now there are many people or many winemakers producing completer as well. Mm -hmm. When we started with completer, it was nearly uh, gone. Um, we have now 60R, so a little bit more than half a hectare. Uh, I was a long time the biggest completer producer in the world, but it's easy if there exists only two hectares. Uh, <laughs> but it's growing like crazy also in other parts of Switzerland. They are planting completer now. And mm -hmm. Maybe there are four or five hectares at the moment uh -huh. worldwide. But if there are people discovering that, that will uh, 
become bigger and bigger, but I don't know if it works in other other countries, other regions, because we have really special climate. And I think uh, that's also the reason why Complete survived in our region, because I'm, I'm sure it's not the only region which uh, had Complete before, but um, we are really happy that we still have it. Mm. And um, I'm quite convinced that the uh, most great wines or maybe all great wines have kind of a personality and i think this personality comes mainly from the winemaker and uh what is your idea when you want to make a pinot noir or a chardonnay so what what's what's the kind of characteristic what you're looking for in these wines i think uh, the most important thing is all, always honesty and naturality uh, because um people um always talk about nature uh, nature and nobody knows anymore how nature really works and um, for me the most important thing is to bring the perfect grape to the cellar um, many wineries they are really proud about their um, sorting tables in the cellar um, I hate sorting tables because I say a grape which I don't want to have in the cellar shouldn't come to the cellar. We have a team which uh, select the grapes already very perfect in the in the vineyard. Me and my dad we go four or five six times before picking uh, to every single uh, road in the vineyard. We uh, take off the grapes because um. I, Great wine is always made in the vineyard and never in the cellar. You can make a good wine in the cellar. Today we have always more and more good wines in the world because a good wine you can make in the cellar, but a great wine is always made in the vineyards and we have always less and less really great wines in, in the world. Mm. But, uh, with technique and everything, you can uh, make a good wine, but a great wine uh, is made by itself, I think. If you have a perfect grape, um, you don't need much to do in the cellar. And it was also um, Andre Noble, which told my dad for a fantastic wine, you need only three things. That's a perfect grapes, that's a great oak barrel, and the third thing is time. And time is also something which is very necessary in all um, in all things with, with quality, even if it's cheese, if it's a friendship, if it's wine. Uh, time is very, very important. And time is that what, what people don't have anymore. And they try to, uh, to buy time. Um, in the wine production, they make micro-oxidation micro to age the wine quicker, but it's never the same process like if you um, take the time make this oxidation and uh, I think as much natural um, in the vineyard and in the, the cellar as possible makes also great wine. Fantastic wine don't need uh, a great winemaker I think. Mm. It's just somebody with, with uh, enough passion and enough time. <laughs> uh, it's simple. Wow. Still, deep thought, a lot of wisdom in this kind of simpleness. Um, but if you maybe in terms of taste and texture and 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 maybe also um, impression, maybe I would say, 
um, how would you want your wine to be? Like if you drink a Pinot Noir, a lot of people maybe talk about feminine and masculine style and uh, if it's spicy or rather fruit driven or if it's a fresh, fresh kind of linear kind of style or rather full bodied and broad. What's your idea maybe about Pinot Noir and how would you describe uh, the best Pinot Noir, uh, what your terroir could give? Yeah, I think the, the most important in a wine is always the character, the, the characteristic of the of the wine. Um, the people talk a lot about wine, about if it's feminine, if it's masculine. I think that's all all stupid. Finally, um, people love a wine or they don't love it or they like a wine or they don't like it. Um, for me, the most important thing is to uh, give a wine the, the impression of, of the terroir. The terroir is always very important. Um, not to vinificate too much to uh, people or many winemakers try to make more about a grape that then it can really uh, give. And you just have to respect the grape um, and not to over overwork it in the in the cellar with uh, with with pigeage uh, with bush down too much or too less. If there are not good tenants in the in the grape skin, it doesn't matter. You can push down hundred times. You. Uh, you extract the, the wrong tenants. And so the grape is very important. I, I, um, I love Pinot Noir, which is really um, fruity, which have a lot of character. I like also uh, the, the tenants in a great red wine. But for me, it's very important that we have ripe tenants. Um, at the moment, it's a, a trend with with a uh, whole whole uh, um, bunch berries. Also, how do you say? No, with, with to to um to ferment with the stems. Mm -hmm. With the stems, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of that because in our region, the stems become not brown; they are still green. And uh, when you ferment with the green stems in our region, you have a lot of greenness in the wine. And I don't like, I prefer tannins of the wood, of the skin. So we distend all our uh, wines, white and red. And um, I prefer to extract the, the skin, or the, to extract the tannins of the skin and uh, also to uh, use barrels for the, for the tannins. But in, in other regions, maybe it makes sense to uh, to ferment with the stems. We have also producers here that do that. They make a really good job. They make uh, great wines with stems. But um, from our style, for, for my wine, I prefer not to have this greenness in the Pinot Noir. Mm. Because we have enough freshness. Um, we are high overseas. We have enough freshness. We have enough... Uh, a tartaric acidity, and uh, that's always good for uh, for a wine, even if it's Chardonnay or Pinot Noir, Merlot. And we have the real advantage with very, very high uh, tartaric acidity. Also, especially in complete, I had a German um, wine maker here to practice in my winery, and he was impressed about the uh, 
the tartaric acidity in our wines. We uh, just um, emptied one bucket of completer and uh, this steamer was really clean. You see only stainless steel. You just uh, put down maybe two, three uh, uh, hundred kilos of completer and you just have wine stone on the, on the stainless steel. It's crazy. So, so much uh, tartaric acidity we have. Oh. And it makes wines very, very fresh and intense, yeah. Mm. And you also have a restaurant, right? Yeah, it's more a wine town. It is a restaurant, but it's more a wine town. We have re really big wine list, uh, especially our favorite um, wine growing regions. Uh, it's Burgundy. Uh, Bordeaux, but we also have uh, Austrian wines. I love, I love the Wachau, especially mm. uh, the Grünerfeldliner from the Wachau. We have close friends that are like Hirzbergers, uh, the Knoll family, Altinger. Uh, we know all of them, and we love this stuff. And uh, in our winery or uh, in our wine tavern, we have a big wine menu, but only a small menu for food. We have dry meat, we have a soup, small things. It's more like a Heurigen in Austria. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. so it's worth visiting the region, not only because of yeah, the restaurant. <laughs> Can you maybe talk briefly? Uh, a little bit about other wine regions in Switzerland because I think it's a great diversity in the country, not only language-wise, but also yeah. in terms of climate, right? So what, what would be maybe your red line to understand the Swiss wine country or what are maybe the biggest clusters? Yeah, Swiss, Swiss wine is uh, so many uh, different um, grape varieties. Um, in, in Ticino, uh, they have uh, Merlot, which can compete with the really great uh, Pomerol uh, Merlots. So in our region, there is uh, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, which is really great. We have other um, wine regions which make fantastic Pinot Noir, like mm. other Swiss, Swiss German regions, but also at uh, Neuchâtel. Um, they, they make also fantastic Pinot Noir. Then in the French part of Switzerland, they have the best uh, Gutedel or Chassel in the world. At Stenzali, they make fantastic uh, Chassel, uh, which you can also age, even if they have a very, very low acidity. Uh, then in, in uh, valleys, they have uh, so many different grape varieties, um, many out of tone grape varieties. We have only the complete, but in valleys, they have, I don't know, it's so many uh, for the Petit Darwin, Haida, Johannesburg. We have so many different grape varieties, which are quite interesting. And everybody uh, mm. knows it. Yeah. So, mm. so many great wines in every region. So it's not just uh, our region. If, Mm. A fantastic, uh, a fantastic uh, variety of, of different wine styles, winemakers, yeah. Mm. And because it changed to, a lot the last years, yeah. To be honest, I was also a little bit surprised that now I'm studying for the WSET diploma and Switzerland is not even included in the curriculum. Yeah, it's but, crazy. It's yeah. because just nobody knows it. Yeah. Uh, Switzerland is still a black point on the wine lists but i think always more and more connoisseur wine lovers start to discover switzerland mm. and 
for me, that's also the reason why I'm sure we need to make a little bit of export. I try to animate also other Swiss winemakers to export a little bit, even if it's not necessary for us also. We have waiting lists in Switzerland, but I think it's necessary, even if it's just 5% of the production. Mm. Every good wine produced in Switzerland should export a small little bit just for Swiss wine, for a... Uh, mm. What is with my market? Because uh, really, um, maybe yeah. some tourists come to Switzerland and uh, taste some Swiss wine, but in in restaurants all over the world, you can't find Swiss wine. It's really something rare. Yeah, and wine is a the perfect passport actually, if you think about it, because it transmits the terroir, it transmits the people. Maybe even an autochthonous grape variety, a little bit of the design how the yeah. classification system works. It's really, it's the perfect passport if you actually, if you think about it. Yeah. I and I think it's always much more easy to impress people if you have no image. Switzerland have not, not a good image, not a bad image. We have no image in the international wine uh, market. But for us, it's easier to impress people because people go on a Swiss wine or taste a Swiss wine and have no, um, uh, no, pre no preconceived notions. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And uh, I think uh, Chateau Petrus have more difficult to, to impress people because you drink a Chateau Petrus and you have so much um, heard about the wine. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, it's, yeah. It's easier if you have no image to impress people. Yeah, true. Well, your wines impressed me. So I hope and I recommend others to to try your wines, the Moses wine, maybe. Uh, do you want to add something, maybe? Or do you have another message, maybe, for the listeners? No, I think uh, we talked a lot about all the different things. And uh, the best is if you come to Malans and visit us and see the winery, and oh. maybe then you will have some more questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I am definitely going to do that. Nice, beautiful, Martin. Thank you for your time. Perfect. And I oh. wish you very, very uh, nice holidays. You too. Great Christmas. All the best for uh, 2023. What, what do you drink at the Christmas table? I don't know yet. Uh, normally I decide on, on Christmas Day. Yeah. Some, some usually we do really crazy stuff on Christmas. Um, this year we have also some people on the table which don't drink really great wines, so it doesn't make sense to open Conti or Chateau Dicken. But um, I'm sure we will find something special. Mm. Yeah. Thank you very much. Great, perfect. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Martin. Thank you. Bye-bye. Nice Bye-bye. Good